Welcome back to another episode of the Mountain West Insider Podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. My name is Rob Dosser, and I got with me again for his second appearance. You are now officially a recurring guest. Jeff Grammer, one of the best beat writers that you're going to find. New Mexico fans, you should feel lucky and honored to have this man covering your program. Jeff Grammer, what's going on, Jeff? How we doing, man? I'm doing pretty good, man. I got to got to cover a heck of a basketball game last night, so I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, so you are sitting in your hotel room in Fort Collins after watching uh, New Mexico drop one on the road at Colorado State, 76-68. to 68. We're going to get into all that. We are going to talk about the Mountain West. I do kind of want to like just reset the league a little bit and kind of reframe where our uh, discussion points should be with this group and kind of how we feel about where the conference is right now. Spoiler alert, I think it's damn good. Um but, but we had one of the conference, uh, I'm sorry, conference West Mountain West conference play kicked off this week. And the biggest game of the week was, of course, two of the title contenders going head to head in Fort Collins at Moby Arena, New Mexico at Colorado State. Like I said, Colorado State pulled it out 76 to 68. Isaiah Stevens was uh was was about as good as you were probably expected at this point from 18 points and eight assists. Patrick Cartier had 21 points uh for the Rams. Let's just start big picture before we get into your Lobos. Let's start with Colorado State. How good were they and how important is it them to, one, get Jalen uh, Lake back and, two, kind of get healthy right now? Look, they they looked I, – I mean, the, the boring but best way to describe them is they looked exactly like they're supposed to look. They, they were really good offensively. They spaced the floor, which is it's kind of what – you know, you know they do. Um, when you have when you're five is a, a six nine floor spacer like Patrick Cartier, and and every all five spots on the floor can shoot the ball. Uh, they space the floor so well, and Isaiah Stevens works in space so just beautifully. Um, that they, they were. This isn't a knock at all, but they're exactly you know who I think we thought they were, and um, that's that's a little scary because. UNM uh, came into this game a year ago. They were ranked 120th in Ken Palm in defensive efficiency. This year they were they were I think just inside 30 in the top 30 coming into the game. I think they're like down to 30 now, maybe. Um, but but super improved on defense, right? And there wasn't really anything they could do once Colorado State got rolling to to slow down the Isaiah Stevens wide open floor that Colorado State creates and. And that's what's a little scary for the rest of the Mountain West is, is even if the good defensive teams can't slow them down, I don't know who will. And if Colorado State mixes in a, good, a little bit of good defense on their own, like they did last night, then yeah, they're they're a legit ranked team that that's gonna gonna be the number one contender until somebody knocks them off. And I know there are some teams that certainly are expecting to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. I think Mountain West fans should appreciate being able to watch Isaiah Stevens. It might suck when uh, he's carving up your defense and he's lighting you up for 18 points and eight assists. Uh, But he's the only guy in college basketball right now averaging 17 points and seven assists. He's an absolute maestro in ball screens. Um, He had one pass in the second half. Uh, It was right after Colorado Colorado State made their run and extended it to uh, double figures. He comes off of a ball screen, leaps in the air. He's got two guys on him that are both about six foot seven. He gets the ball behind his head and throws a basically a blind pass, two handed over his head to the weak side corner, about as far as you could throw in a half court while not having the ball go out of bounds. And I hit, um, I believe it was Cartier in the corner who banged home a three to push the lead up to, I think it was 13 points at that point. And that was when, you know, I put it on mute and I started uh, looking at box scores and, and getting prepared yeah. for what I got to do the next day. That's when you knew it was over. Uh, Isaiah Stevens, he is, 
He's special, and he's as good of a point guard as I've seen in that league in a long time. For my money right now, Jeff, I have him as a first-team All-American. Yeah, and I saw that last week when you when you came out with your All-Americans. Um, he very deserving. Uh, he is he falls into that category where a lot of people on the national college basketball radar um, know of a player that's outside the power six that maybe they don't watch a whole lot, and they sort of suspect it has to do with the league or the competition he's playing. Isaiah Stevens would be doing this wherever he is because he doesn't care too much about the points. He can score them, obviously, and and has been. Um, coincidentally, um, a little note I, I had in, in what I wrote today is he broke 2,000 career points last night. The last time the Lobos played, last March in Fort Collins, Patrick Cartier broke 2,000 points. So how many programs, A, have two players who broke 2,000 points, and how many teams have gone up and had that done against them in back-to-back games? Um, kind of crazy. The Lobos have had uh, not a whole lot of success in Fort Collins the last two times they've been there, and and Isaiah Stevens is, is a huge part of that. I was sitting with Fran Fraschilla with the pass you were mentioning there. Um, Fran Fraschilla was at the game last night, and I was a former Lobo coach. Um, he He's sitting next to me, and he's, he's talking about Donovan Dent, the Lobos' sophomore point guard, who, who was kind of on the rise um, in a lot of regards. And then Isaiah Stevens, who's a fifth-year guy, and the two of them off ball screens are just tremendous. And I've never covered a point guard as good as Donovan Dent for the team I've covered. I've never covered a point guard as good as Donovan Dent off ball screens and, and how he uses every all five defenders on the floor. He sees what all five of them are doing, the guy on him, the guy on every other player, and he can pass anywhere on the court like Isaiah Stevens can, except Isaiah Stevens, that's just one of his many kind of tricks in the bag, you know, and Isaiah Stevens if if Donovan Dent can even approach over the next three years, if he happens to be a five-year college player like Isaiah Stevens, um, he'd be just ecstatic. And and the the comparison between what Isaiah Stevens is right now and what like a Donovan Dent, who's a really a pure point guard, not a scoring point guard, um, what he wants to be. It was kind of fun to watch with with a coach like Fran sitting right there, kind of look, you know comparing and contrasting the two. You mentioned Isaiah is the only player in the country right now at seventeen and seven. Um, there's only two players in the country right now at 16 points and six assists, and it's Donovan Dent and Isaiah Stevens. Isaiah Stevens is in so much control and command of that offense that uh, that Nico just gives him the keys to the the car every game and and rarely has to rein him in on anything. He did mention Nico Medved, that is, mentioned after the game, there was one bad turnover that Isaiah had last night that he kind of had to look at him and say, and he didn't even really say much, just kind of gave him a, mm, what was that about? Isaiah knew right away. And you're in such a sweet spot in college basketball when your point guard and your coach are on the same page, legitimately on the same page like those two are. And when Isaiah Stevens is playing like he is, they're they're going to be a tough out. And they have a tough schedule uh, ahead of them too. So um, it's going to be interesting to see who um, – I don't think anyone goes undefeated in the Mountain West. So it's going to be interesting to see who it is that ends up knocking off Colorado State at some point. Yeah, the next two games that Colorado State is going to play uh, at Utah State – at Boise State, two of the tougher home environments. I don't even want to say tougher home. Like, there's just the all, all of the top like seven teams in the Mountain West have legitimately difficult places to go and play. Even UNLV, who hasn't been great this year, picked off Creighton at home in a blowout. So yeah. I, I just road games in this conference are not going to be easy, which is why you probably shouldn't too, take too much out of this loss for New Mexico. Um, I do want to talk a little bit more about Donovan Dent in a second. Just one thing to wrap up this Colorado State conversation. Neek Clifford. I don't think I expected him to come in and be the player that he has been. You know, we saw him at Colorado and he was like, 
he was fine. Like he made some shots and he had some dunks and you could see that he was athletic and long, but he never really had that kind of breakout moment. I mean, he's yeah. been unbelievable this year. He's shooting 53% from three. He's averaging 13 points a game. He's had every, I've watched, I think five Colorado state games all the way through now. And I, I, I swear in every single one of them, he's dunked on somebody's head, right? Like he's crazy athletic. He's long to me. He is the, the guy that's, I don't want to say the difference maker, but he's kind of like the great equalizer when it comes to having someone that can match up with some of the, uh, the great athletic wings that you see in college basketball. Right. And I think that you need that. I think you need a guy that can make shots and space the floor and you need guys that you can throw on, you know, you look at what UConn has, right. Where Tristan Newton is six foot five and Cam Spencer is six foot four. Um, you look at teams like Kansas, right. Kevin McCullough is six foot seven. You need big athletic guys to be able to deal with them. And and that is the guy right there. Neat Clifford that can deal with some of those athletes. Did you see this coming from him when he committed? Absolutely not. No, I, I mean, I, I saw him and, and um, his high school or AAU buddy, um, Javante Johnson, both transferred to to Colorado State. One of them's playing a ton like Nick Clifford and and really, I mean, he's rebounding like crazy, too. Um, the other one's not playing a whole lot, but I, I think they hit with one of the two and, and they're pretty happy with how much Nick Clifford hit um, because he's I mean, they he, should be, man. What, what more could yeah, you ask for? He's um. I mean, I don't know. He's not first team, but he he's he's playing at an all league kind of level with what he's doing. And this league for so long has been sort of designed and and recruited to fit the San Diego State mold of you better have wings. You bet you know they don't all have to be six seven guys, but you better have some wings that can defend a little bit, that are athletic, that can do things like get that dunk in the lane, like he had one last night. That um. You better have some of those to compete with the teams in the Mountain West. The San Diego State wing is is what everybody's been looking for for years, and and they hit on one that was right under the Pac-12's nose for for three years, and um, wasn't doing there, wasn't doing at Colorado what he's doing now at Colorado State, and um, it, it's funny how that works in college basketball. Sometimes you know the the transfer portal portal world. Um, everybody like the, the it's like the backup quarterback's the most popular player in football sometimes. The, the the transfer everybody loves when they hear that they're getting a transfer coming in right well the, the reality is when you have three years of tape on somebody you should know what you're getting mm-hmm. but that's not what happened here like they they may have known what they were getting but the rest of us didn't because we saw what he did at Colorado and it wasn't quite this so yeah they they hit and uh, I think he's he's one of the perfect pieces to fit around on um, that offense because Isaiah Stevens has a little bit of everything he has a stretch five. In Patrick Cartier, he has a, he has a guy that can attack the rim. He does have a power forward in Joel Scott. Um, didn't have a good game last night, but he's a good rebounding, low post kind of guy. Like he has a little bit of everything to play with, and that's again back to Isaiah Stevens. What makes him so good is he has pieces around him that kind of fit whatever the defense is doing to them. And Nick Clifford, he's been Nick Clifford's probably been the biggest surprise. I'm, I'm trying to think around the league. Um, Utah State has a lot of surprises, but like Nick Clifford might be one of the biggest surprises right now in the Mountain West to me. Yeah, I was going to say Utah State is the biggest surprise. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get into that in a second. Um, When it comes to New Mexico, the thing that has been really impressive to me has been that Donovan Dent, one, for my money, has been the best guard on the team that ha- that is absolutely loaded in the backcourt. Uh, Jalen House, Jamal Mashburn Jr., um, Jamal Baker. Like, you have three guys that are legitimate. Like, if you saw them playing on a top 10 team in America, you wouldn't be surprised, right? And you got this sophomore that's come out and has been the best player on the team and the best guard on the team. 
And I guess my question is twofold. One, what does that provide them having a guy like the other guys are bucket getters, right? And I feel like one of the knocks on New Mexico last year is they were a little bit too reliant on on difficult shots, right? Like you can ride that for a couple games. I don't think you can ride that for an entire season, not in a league that is as good as the Mountain West is. So he makes things easy for everybody else. But two, how do they all fit together, right? Like that's a lot of guard talent in one backcourt when you probably only have spots for maybe three of them uh, at one time. Yeah, so the big question for for this Lobo basketball team was they they brought in a bunch of pieces, a bunch of transfers, but really it was about the three returning guys that they had, and really the only three returning guys. They did have a redshirt freshman who played some and then got hurt, had a medical redshirt, but really they have three returning guys, and two of them were preseason All-Mountain West Conference, and Jamal Mashburn Jr. and Jalen House, and then Donovan Dent, former Mr. Basketball in California, um, which had several five-stars in that, or a couple five-stars in that recruiting class, that he was the best player out of high school that the Lobos got a couple of years ago because he was a three-star that couldn't couldn't shoot the outside shot. That's still the knock on him, by the way, is, is he doesn't shoot the outside shot nearly enough. It's not that he's, his numbers have been bad, but he doesn't do it nearly enough just yet. But Donovan Dent um, has become the best player on this team. And the question has been, how are you fit these three guys? Jalen House, six foot tall. Donovan Dent, six two. Jamal Mashburn Jr., six two. Can you really play three? Regard six two or shorter at the same time and still have that improved defense that you've had. They're all three ball dominant, really, guards. How can you keep them happy? How can they coexist? Um, they started the, the season opener November 6th together, the three of them, and that was really the only time we saw it. They played for eight minutes and 23 seconds together. Jalen House wasn't healthy. He had missed over a month of preseason practice. Um, turns out they, he came back too soon. He missed another five games after that. So really last night was the first time we got to see um, those of us covering the Lobos specifically what it might be like if they get things rolling with all three guards. And uh, of all the problems they may have had at times last night, especially in the second half, it wasn't with those three guys on the court. In fact, those three guys on the court, um, they were actually plus 13. And in an eight point loss, if the 12 minutes and it was 12 minutes and 35 seconds that those three players were together on the court. They were at plus 13. Well, that that's pretty good. You, you probably need to figure out how to keep those three, not play them together less, but actually play them together more if you can. Now, Jalen House getting in foul trouble is a problem. He's a tenacious defender on the ball and uh, gets himself in some foul trouble. Uh, Mashburn, as you mentioned, last year they were relying on tough shots. They, they call him mid-range mash. He's a great mid-range shooter as far as mid-range range shooting goes but there's a reason that's a, a shot that doesn't get taken in basketball anymore it's be you know everyone kind of romanticizes about the days when people could hit the mid-range jumper well the reason people aren't even taking the mid-range jumper anymore is because the efficiency on it's just horrible but Mashburn's pretty good at it but that you know there's, there's a limit on what pretty good at a mid-range jumper can be at the college level so yeah he can go get his own shot Jalen House can go get his own shot and make defenses and opposing teams uncomfortable but Donovan Dent is the guy that does what in a, in a lesser degree certainly but does what Isaiah Stevens does and Donovan Dent is a guy that makes the rest of the team better and uh, kind of can be that floor general out there so I think they need all three of them frankly um, Nelly Jr. Joseph and JT Toppin in, in particular um, but those two front court players have been fantastic for them. Nelly's finally up to speed, and uh, JT Toppin's been the best freshman in this league. So they got a good front court, but what they really need is those three guards somehow to play together. And if they do that, and they only did it for one game so far, and it was last night, um, if they can do that, they'll, they'll be back in the mix by the end of this thing. Yeah, I think the sweet spot is 
you basically get about 30 minutes apiece from Donovan Dent, Jamal Mashburn Jr., Jalen House, and Jamal Baker, right? And sometimes different guys are going to come off the bench. And there's going to be nights where one guy has it going and he's going to uh, be finishing the game. Like maybe Jamal Baker has one of those nights where he goes for 22 and hits six threes and he's going to be playing down the stretch over Jamal Mashburn Jr. Or maybe it's going to be something where those three little guards are working and Jamal Baker plays 15 minutes. As long as all those guys are bought in and understand that, hey, look, it's the four of us. There's three spots on the floor. Everyone's going to get their minutes and whoever's playing the best is going to be playing down the stretch. As long as everyone's okay with that role, then I think that it can work. Um, there are, I do think that at least talking with Jamal and, and well, both Jamal's at Mountain West Media Day, it doesn't seem like there's all that much of an ego involved with them. And I think that both of those guys, it seems like they, they want a chance to actually win, right? Like we haven't, neither yeah. of them really experienced winning at that level um, in college basketball yet. So that will be interesting to see, but uh, I think that it is something that is very doable. All right, let me ask you this big picture. Um, is is Colorado State the best team in the Mountain West? Is it New Mexico? Is it San Diego State? I know what Ken Palm says. I know what the net says. What is uh what does the Jeff Grammer index say? So uh, a week ago, uh, before league play started, before last night's game, uh, I did have kind of a, a, a put pen to paper kind of list going, and and I went Colorado State one, New Mexico two, San Diego State three. Um, kind of San Diego State, Nevada in a 3-4 spot, frankly, that could have gone either way. That was before San Diego State went and, and did what San Diego State seems to do every year with one really big win like that that kind of reminds you, you know, maybe until they get knocked off, you just kind of default to picking them to be the best team. Um, um, I do think San Diego State at their best is, is right, right in the mix. But I think Nevada, Utah State, frankly, New Mexico, even after last night, all of those teams in the, at their best – can all compete with Colorado State. Colorado State is my number one right now. Um, they offensively, I think, are too much for anybody in this league to to slow down. Defensively, they, they have some questions, yes. But um, I, I think Colorado State has earned. You can go either way, just eye test. And I think Colorado State looks like the one, but you could also go with who's earned it and, you know, wins it, wins a uh, neutral court, but wins over Creighton, uh, number 13 national ranking. Colorado State, State's both earned it and looks the part. I think San Diego State's back in the two spot for me. Um, Nevada, Utah State, probably in that three, four. And, and New Mexico, I'm not going to drop too much further than maybe in that three, four, five mix um, after last night. I, I did think they, New Mexico showed some some real problems, especially in the second half last night. But I've also seen them at their best against weaker competition, mind you. But I've, I've seen them at their best, and they look really good. So I think this is a five-team league that's really deep. And that's leaving Boise State out of that conversation at this point. And when they're good, and they have traditionally been good, man, they're going to knock some of these teams off too. Yeah, I, I would tend to lean – I I think that San Diego State and Colorado State are – there's no wrong answer there, right? Like if you pick – if you think that Colorado State is the best team in this league, then okay, that makes sense. If you think San Diego State is the best team in the league, okay, that makes sense. I'm not going to try to argue out of it, right? Like some people like vanilla ice cream. Some people like mint chocolate chip ice cream. Some people like pistachio. Whatever the flavor is that you prefer, that's what you would pick. Uh I think that I would tend to lean towards Colorado State just because I'm going to bet on the team that has the best point guard play, point blank period, when it comes to stuff like this. But I, I do, I do want to give a shout out to San Diego State, man, because Reese Dixon Waters has really taken a step forward this year. I, I know that everyone kind of projected that from him um, when he committed there. Like this is the reason why they went out and they got him from uh, from USC in the portal. It was USC, right? Yeah, USC in the portal, um, and. 
I think that Lamont Butler and, and, and Darian Trammell have both kind of uh, accepted that they are going to be role players on this group after coming back from a team that made it as deep as they did in the NCAA tournament. But uh, Jaden Ledee being who he is, just you have yeah. it, it's a very interesting dynamic between those two programs, right? Because you have this team that is elite offensively right, that runs some of the best stuff in college basketball, where when you talk to other coaches about who's the best offensive mind in the sport, like, it's very easy to say, yeah, Nico Medved is in that conversation, right? And then you give him a point guard who is as good as anybody in the country, and you have a team that is as fun to watch, run as much unique, creative stuff, NBA-style offenses, pick and rolls, the ball flying over the place, threes going up. And then you have San Diego State, where when people say, like, who's one of the best defensive minds in the sport? Well, Brian Dutcher is right there in that conversation. What are one of the best defensive programs in the college basketball? Well, San Diego State's right there in that discussion. Well, uh, what do they do best? Well, they got this big guy named Jaden Ledee who's been putting up numbers like 21 and 10 this season. Uh, is he one of the best big guys in the sport? Yeah, he is. So the dynamic of this elite offense with an elite point guard and an elite offensive mind going up against an elite defense with an elite big man and an elite defensive mind is one of my favorite storylines. As Like in college basketball, point blank, period, Right. Colorado State, San Diego State, the the clash of the Titans, and and when do they play? They got they play twice this year, right? They play yep. January thirtieth in uh in at Colorado State, and they play February thirteenth at San Diego State. Those are the two ones for me that you got to circle. Nevada is awesome. New Mexico is awesome. Utah State is going to be really good, but I think that those two games right there are going to be what determines who is the uh, who is the Mountain West Conference champion this season. Yeah, and and San Diego State for. For me, even a week ago, thinking they might have been third, it was kind of they, they had some underwhelming wins, right? They they won a couple at the buzzer against teams they probably should beat by ten. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, oh well, like that. That's what you know. San Diego State. I don't want to say they they just you know sleepwalk through the non conference, but San Diego State they're at, at the end of March or at the end of uh, regular season play going into March every year. They're in contention for a Mountain West title, no matter what. I'd say ninety percent of the time. They're one of the teams competing for a league title, and uh, they're going to be there this year too. So, yeah, maybe if they had a little bit of a Final Four hangover, could you blame them? National title game hangover, you know, could you blame them? Um, and to say that they had much of a hangover, really, with the ten and two record going into that Gonzaga game, like I, honestly, wasn't... I don't even think it's that, Jeff. I think it's just, I think it's just something where the way that they play is we're going to keep things close and we have winners, right? When you're a defensive team, you're not out there trying to beat teams by 30, right? You're not out no, there I, saying that we're going to win a game uh, 85 to 70. They're basically out there saying, we're going to, we're going to grind you down. It's going to be a close game, but we have the winners and we have the guys that will get stops when it matters. And I think the way that that manifests is a lot of close wins. I don't think it's a fluke that San Diego state wins a lot of close games, right? That's what they have a stretch for it. They had a stretch where the it was like years long where they had won so many games that were you know leading by however much in the final few minutes and they just kept winning those games. So you're right. I do think the Lamont Butler buzzer beater. He had one in New Mexico. He had one in the Final Four, obviously that everybody saw um, towards the end of last year. He had two of them. I, I think those two things made a lot of people, including some in San Diego, um, probably expect Lamont Butler to be more of an offensive threat in the absence of Matt Bradley. Um, it, it's hard to forget what San Diego State lost. They they lost a lot of key kind of pillar pieces, culture pieces that that are their identity, right? Big bulky guys. So when they lost that, I think some people thought, wow, Darian Tramell, he can score. And Lamont Butler, look at the step he's taken. I think there was maybe um some, myself probably included a little bit, got caught up in it, thinking, wow, these guys are gonna score a little more and the defense is gonna back off. 
but why at this point would would they back off their identity? Their their defense is still their identity. And Jaden Ladee this year is doing what I had heard about um, the the year before. Basically, the offseason going into last year, I was hearing about how Jaden Ladee was just killing people in practice. He was he was unbelievable, and it didn't quite manifest last year. But this year, what Jaden Ladee's doing. All the praise we gave Isaiah Stevens, Jaden Ladee, if he's a step back, it's not a big step. Like he's both of those guys. There are two Mountain West players this year that are on that, I think, legitimately and, and fairly in an All-American conversation right now at the midway point of the season. Yeah, I mean, Jaden Ladee is there. Um, Isaiah Stevens is there. I'd probably have Jaden Ladee closer to like borderline third team at right. this point. Um, I'm not going to argue with you if you put him on your third team. I'm not going to argue with you if you don't have him on your third team. There's a lot of good big guys in college basketball this year. Spoiler alert. Um, but to me, Isaiah Stevens is first or second team. Like he's just he's the best point guard yeah. in college basketball right now. Point blank period. I would also throw Donovan Denton in that conversation. Like I don't think enough people are talking about how good he's been so far this year. And then Keenan Blackshear to me has been awesome as well. Yeah. And the great yeah. Osibo, like the, the the level of talent in this league is something where. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I'm glad that we are doing this podcast, Jeff, why I'm glad that uh, we've been able to work with the Mountain West on this because it's a conference that is damn good. There's talent everywhere up and down this line, uh, up and down this this league. There yeah. are home court environments that should be bucket list for everybody. I've been to um, I've been to the Spectrum in Logan. I was there in the wild build days when it was, it was, it was reckless there. It was, it was ridiculous. It was so much fun. And it's back to that now. Right, they got that thing rolling again. Sprink's got that thing going. Um, I, so you know, let's let's talk about Utah State there because uh, the two teams that we haven't really uh, dove into um, that I think are both going to be tournament teams are Nevada and Utah State. Um, Nevada is a little bit; they make a little bit more sense to me. Like we've seen Steve Alford do it. We know who these guys are. We know who Keenan Blackshear is. Like there's a reason why they're having this level of success. I want to start with Utah State. Are you buying them? Yeah. If I had to pick one to throw out you know if there's one on the you know start one bent one cut one like utah state was the one in this conversation that i would cut they, they go into air force to open league play which doesn't mean anything if you just look up their ken palm number doesn't mean anything if you look up their net but to start on a tuesday afternoon game at clune arena on the air tip man with nobody in the building yeah i mean it, it's just it's such a weird setup and they went in there and won by 28 points and I talked to two people who were at the game um, that, that then made the drive up to, to Fort Collins. Um, and, and I talked to two people who were at the game. Both of them said the same thing. It could have been worse. And it was never it was never in doubt. It was never close. Air Force couldn't do anything with the, the guy who followed Danny Sprinkle from Montana State, uh, great Osobar. Like, he's been playing out of his mind. And, and really, he has, they have two guys that came with Montana State. That Darius have been, Brown. Been yeah. Yeah, Darius Brown, yeah. So they have two guys that have really been leading the way. Um, I've been waiting for Utah State to sort of stumble, right, and and kind of look like uh, the the team transitioning, if you will. The, it's basically a Montana State um, transitioning into the into D one or into an upper level, and they haven't looked like they're they're missing a beat so far. You don't go into the, the Air Force Academy and win by twenty eight very often. Um, I I just think that at some point I have to give them more respect than I've been giving them. And uh, I, I think yesterday, as crazy as it sounds for people that don't follow this week clo league closely, a 28-point win at Air Force in an afternoon game on a Tuesday is pretty telling to me because it just doesn't happen that often. 
Yeah, we're, we're going to find out everything we need to know about them on Saturday. On Saturday, yeah. Utah State against Colorado State. That is going to be in Logan. Um, I can guarantee that that building is going to be rocking and it's going to be loud. And uh, it is going to be one of those games that you have to see. You have to turn on. You have to watch. Um, there's a lot of good basketball on Saturday, but that is one of those ones where even if you got to have it up on like the second screen on your tablet while you're watching your favorite team play, get it on because it's going to be one of those yes. games. Um, no, I'm with you, man. I, I think that the fact that you have the anchors of your your team and your point guard in Darius Brown and your big guy, go-to guy in Great Osabor are guys that already know what Danny Sprinkle wants, right, and already know what he's asking for. Um, and you combine that with basically a completely new slate, then, then I, I'm in on them. Now, I think that they have a lot of work to do in league play to be able to make the tournament simply because they – that well, look, the, the loss at Bradley is going to be something that kind of hangs around their head because it's a road loss against a mid-major opponent. Like that, that's one of those there, there's a reason why a lot of these uh power conference teams refuse to go on the road against teams that don't have that name cachet, right? Because they don't want to take a loss like that that people just assume is a bad loss. Bradley's a good yeah. team in the valley. Uh it was an overtime loss on the road. First division one opponent of the season. It is what it is, is going to happen. Um, they beat UC Irvine, they beat Akron. They beat San Francisco, but none of those are going to pop. Like, I think that they probably need to tell me what you think. This is crazy. I think they need to get to about 12 and six in the Mountain West, and they got to get at least two of Colorado State, San Diego State, New Mexico, and Nevada. I would say if you can get Colorado State at home, San, they play San Diego State at home, right? Yeah, they get San Diego State at home um, in uh, at the end of February. You get those two games. They end the season with New Mexico at home, March 9th. Two of those three, right? And you get about 12, 11, 12 wins in the Mountain West, and you don't have any of those bad losses. Like you don't have uh, a Wyoming at home that kind of drags down your resume or an Air Force at home. I, th I think they, that's what they have to do to be able to dance because they didn't have any of those major wins in non-conference, which is understandable. But it's if there's one team where I look at them and say that they're going to – they have – work to do to be able to get themselves in the bubble conversation to me it's utah state does that make sense yeah absolutely i i think i think there's really three teams that have set themselves up utah state the most of the three but three of these teams in this mountain west kind of postseason conversation have set themselves up where their non-conference got them into the right numbers right their their net mm -hmm. rankings their ken palm rankings but they 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 need to make their case in league play they didn't do anything to hurt their case in fact they they helped themselves um, in a lot of ways, but they didn't get the 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 final bullet point on the resume, which is okay. What are the big wins? And that's what Utah State needs several of. Um, I think New Mexico and Nevada are both there too. I know Nevada looked great in the Diamond Head. Um, they beat uh, Washington too, which which was a good win and stuff like that. But I don't think that there's there's the marquee win for either Nevada, Utah State, or New Mexico at this point. So yeah, the um, one thing can... I'll say about Nevada is this: they won. At Washington, and that then, and whatever you think about the Pac 12, that's probably going to end up being a quad one win when things are all said and done, right? Like, I think Washington will be good enough in a really bad Pac 12 to be able to make sure that they're top 75 in the net. If not, then it's still a road win against a, a power conference team that has name cachet. We could talk all we want about net rankings and Kempom rankings and quad ones and this and that. Everyone needs to remember that there are 10 human beings sitting in a room making decisions when it comes to the NCAA tournament selection and winning at Washington and just saying at Washington is going to have a little bit of name brand value. Same way that beating TCU on a neutral court is going to have name brand value. 
beating Temple on a neutral. Not as much, but it still has some name brand value. Beating Georgia Tech, who beat Duke at home, who beat uh, they beat they picked someone else off at home. I'm blanking on it uh, in the moment, but they have two big wins at home in the ACC. That those will have name brand value, so it won't just say like Q1, Q2. They'll be looking at them and they'll say Georgia Tech, Washington. So that that will help them mm-hmm. um, in that sense. But you're right. I mean, look, no one has. None of this stuff is like locked up at this point. Everybody's got to be able to to go out and, and boost their resume. But if you look at what uh, our our friend Joey Brackets has right now, he's got five yeah. Mountain West teams in with New Mexico and Utah State as the uh, two of the last four, and so they're in a spot where they can get it done. Go out and do the work now. I am looking at uh, the the team sheet, and again, this is you know looking at team sheets on January third. Take it for what it's worth. Utah State does have a quad one win right now. I didn't realize San Francisco's net had had climbed that high. Um, so yeah. look, if you can pick up, then if you're a Utah State and you have one, two, three, four, five, six quad ones at this point, you have six quad one games on your schedule remaining. You pick up three of those, I, I think you're comfortably in, assuming San Francisco stays there, and you have four quad one wins with a net ranking that at that point would probably be certainly top forty. Um, they're in the top forty right now. I, I think yeah you're you're in if you can pick up three for sure and, and maybe maybe even two if if you don't have any of those bad losses in the Mountain West you you don't have twelve quad opportunities in league play like a Big Twelve and in, in some of the bigger leagues so like if you get but you actually seven, yeah, like you kind of do this year like you're gonna this, have this year, you're, you're like, looking at Nevada has eight um I'm looking at Nevada and they they have eight yeah. opportunities so yeah you're the, the the Mountain West did like when you have five teams right now that did what they're supposed to do in the net rankings and the non-conference. Again, it kind of doesn't matter how you got there. Your value to your league right now is your net, right, in, yep. in terms of the quad system. And so if you played nobody but got up into the top 40, good, you helped the league. If you played a tough schedule and, and kind of fell off the radar a little bit, a, a Boise State, frankly, then you didn't help your league quite as much, even though you, you maybe helped yourself, prepared yourself better. Um, you didn't help your league if you're not going to be a quad one opportunity every night like you were last year. So I do think that uh, Utah State found a way, New Mexico, Nevada both found ways to, to do that. And and yeah, Washington, you're you're right. that As a true road win, I don't see that falling out of the top 75. So Nevada's already got one in the book. Um, TCU's a quad one for them at this point, um, even on a neutral. So yeah, Nevada's looking okay. Uh, Utah State's looking okay with that San Francisco one, but with six opportunities ahead. So yeah, I think this league. I I I mentioned to you earlier that the the numbers are are the big debate. How many get in? Right? They've had four for two years in a row. I think they get four, four again. I think four is the. If I were to set a line, I would set the line at four and a half. I think four, four is the. I think four is the baseline here. And I look. I I still think Boise State's got a very real chance to get in because there's nothing on their resume right now when you look at it that completely yeah. drags it down. Right. Seventy one of the net, not great. Um, three quad two losses, not great, but those quad two losses um, are, hold on, let me just bring them up real quick. You got Virginia Tech on a neutral, right. whatever. You got Butler on a neutral, whatever, right? I think Butler might actually end up being a tournament team before things are all said and done. And you have Washington State at home, Washington State, but like that's none of those losses are terrible losses. They're all against teams that are currently ranked in the top 63 on the net, right? The biggest issue that you're going to have is that you they just haven't, beaten anyone yet right right and when you have uh, well the win over san francisco is going to carry some legs but when you haven't beaten anybody and you have a bunch of like okay losses that's when you kind of get in that territory where it's like you got a bunch of work that you got to be able to do so boy i would say boise state utah state and nevada are all in this spot where 
they got to pick off. I think all of them need, if you can get two wins over, uh, over the top three, I'm top three. I'm saying Colorado state, New Mexico and, um, and San Diego state. And you can pick up another two against like that same group. You get three or four wins against the top of the conference. Then you have a real chance. And the way that you get all six of these teams in is like, nobody mess it up. Okay. Like you gotta, yeah, I'm sorry, air force fans, but like, if you want six teams in the league, like you got to root against Air Force against every one of these big teams. And yeah. if you want them in, you got to root against Wyoming. Jeff Linder, love you, man. But like we got to root against you in all of these games if you want to get six teams in. You can't have any of, of those. Uh, there's got to be a, a clear line of delineation, right? Right now, there has been. I think uh, the only mm-hmm. thing maybe muddying that up a little bit is UNLV because they had the really good win against Creighton. But yeah, to your point, UNLV probably has to fall off and, and not pick off anybody. Um, so I, I do think that. Uh, there, there's a there's a path to six. Um, I'd say between if three and six is is sort of the uh, the question. I would say four is my pick still. Um, I would go under the four and a half, but I'd go five before I'd go three. Um, yeah. I, I don't think they get up to six. But you're, you're 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 not paying attention to Boise State if you don't think Tyson Dagenhart and Max Rice um, are going to find a way to to knock off one of these teams once or twice. Um, and that wouldn't be a bad loss for that team necessarily, but Boise State getting themselves back into contention, I think you you can see happen pretty yeah. quickly. They're gonna, they're Boise State's gonna win a bunch of games in the league. And um, again, like I just think the fact that they didn't, they lost some games, but they didn't do anything terrible, and and that's part of what's gonna have them. They're Boise State's gonna be one of those teams that just hangs around the bubble all year long. Right. Yeah. And then if they can get enough big wins on their schedule, they'll have a chance to get in. Like if they go into Viejas and, and, and what didn't they win like 42 to 37 or something like that last year at San Diego State? They had, they had a couple of those games where just like, uh, let's just say it was not the most appeasing on the eyes, but they got the W's. No. You get a couple of those again and, and they'll find a way to be able to. San Diego to, State has a few of those every year in Viejas, though. One of those yeah. uh, 40. Five to forty-three kind of games. That's them, man. That's the Aztecs. Um, yeah. Last thing I'll say is this: Do you do you think that seeing San Diego because the knock on the Mountain West before last year was like none of these teams get like they get in and then they lose, right? Um, part of the reason for that is that uh, they end up getting seated in like the 10, 11, 12 range, which means that instead of being where you probably deserve based off what your net rankings look like in like the five, six, seven range you end up in a place where you're playing like a top 25 team in the first round. And you know, it is what it is. Sometimes you don't get lucky there. Um, but you finally give San Diego state the credit they deserve. You give them a five seed. What do they do? They go out and they make a run to the final four. Do you think that that will raise the, uh, I don't want to say raise the, the appeal of the league, but it brings it a little bit of notoriety where people can say, Oh, we just yeah. saw that again, 10 people in a room making decisions. And I think that that will help them be able to say like, okay, we can buy into this. Like, look what they just did. Colorado state beat out the team that made the national title game last year. Oh, we got to give them a four seed, something like that. I think that that matters. I think so too. I I wrote about it in Houston last year when San Diego state was in the final four, the the mountain West before last year had a 12 game losing streak in the, in the NCAA tournament. That's tough to, to get that many teams in year in and year out and not have that human element. The, the selection committee kind of noticed that. Um, mm-hmm. they even when they did get a decent seed two years ago, Colorado State was a six seed and drew Michigan, and and that was a Colorado State team that wasn't overly athletic other than David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens. Um, and and Michigan was was playing certainly much better. Um, but yeah, they they that was about one of the few, that was one of the few times that they were actually seated higher. Um, in that run of zero and twelve that they had going, 
But uh, the reality is they needed to make a second weekend. Now, once they made the second weekend, uh, I think people kind of got off the, the monkey off the Mountain West back a little bit. And then when San Diego State made it to the Final Four, then the national title game, it was even better. And I think the Mountain West probably, it's not entering the discussion this year at the selection committee about, yeah, but every time we we put four of them in, you know what they do. They the One team's going to lose in Dayton and get blown out by Arizona State like Nevada did last year. And one team's not going to show up in the 8-9 game at all. And and uh, I, I don't think that even comes into play this year. So that was what San Diego State, that was one of the big benefits to the to the league that what San Diego State did last year, not only for them and the notoriety. I just think it took the conversation off the table for the selection committee that the Mountain West is a postseason disappointment. Just one magical run like that can do that. Yeah, th- this year's Mountain West reminds me a whole lot of, uh, I think it was 2013 when they got five in, right? When it was... Yeah. Boise State had that Derek Marks team and uh, New Mexico had like Alex Kirk and Cameron Bearstow and Kendall Williams and those dudes. Uh, and uh, who was the the big white guy from Minnesota on Colorado State? Col- um, Colton Iverson. Colton Iverson. And like that was the Anthony Bennett year for UNLV. Like uh, Jamal, who was Jamal Williams, right? Threw the ball off the bat glass to himself in a game for San Diego State. Like, um, yeah, Jamal Franklin, Jamal Franklin, Jamal Franklin, Jamal Franklin. Yeah, that those teams, the, that that was the year that I kind of fell in love with the Mountain West. I just remember yeah. sitting up until like uh, it, everyone loves the, like the Jimmer years, right? But to me, it was this, it was that season when you felt like you had uh, five or six teams in that conference that were good enough well, to make a deep run. That uh, was a so nine. Up, I was going to say that was a nine-team league that got five teams in the NCAA. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and you're talking about more than half the league gets in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you, you had a pretty good year. Yeah. And that was the Air Force team that had like Mike Lines and those guys. And and yeah. um it was uh yeah, I just I remember staying up until like 1 30 a.m. uh every every like Wednesday and Thursday night watching those games late night. And it was just all like seeing New Mexico and, and San Diego State go to war. And it was uh there's a lot of fun rivalries in this league, there's a lot of fun players in this league, there's a lot of fun teams in this league. Uh and there was one especially fun beat writer covering this league. Jeff Grammer, appreciate you being here on the Mountain West Insider Podcast, man. It's always fun catching up. Hey, I'm glad you had me on. Let's do it again sometime. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com prenatal.